Hello, everybody, and welcome to Untether.tv. I'm your host and founder, Rob Woodbridge, a.k.a. a meathead. And that's why I'm so excited about this episode. A while back, I uh, on, on Indiegogo, I was perusing Indiegogo, looking for the latest and greatest technology in the mobile space, wearables, all that kind of stuff. And I came across Atlas Wearables, this company that had uh, surpassed, blown through their uh, intended goal of about $125,000, way up over 600, maybe almost $630,000 is what they, what they managed to accumulate on Indiegogo. And I was so impressed. I got so excited about the video, like, like a stupid meathead does, right? Anything that has to do with physical activity. And, and then I went after everything every contact that I had to try to get in touch with Peter Lee, who is the co-founder and the CEO of this company, and managed to uh, coerce enough people to reach out to Peter and to get him on the show. We're going to be talking about not only the Atlas device that is in full production right now, uh, but also the reasons behind it, the reasons why they did it, uh, the mechanics behind it. I also want to talk about the user interface. I want to talk about the Indiegogo experience. I want to talk about a whole bunch of things because it is one of the smartest devices. If it can deliver on, if it can deliver on what it promises, it's going to be one of the smartest fitness devices ever made by man on the planet and any other planet. So joining me live from Austin, Texas is Peter. Peter, welcome and thank you for doing this. I really appreciate your time. Oh, Rob, no, thank you so much for having us. I am a meathead, man. You've got, you, this is, this is your audience. I like, I start. I think I actually had my, you know, I started to salivate when I saw the first video, uh, on, on Indiegogo and I've been dying for it ever since I use, I use a whole bunch of these devices, as you can imagine, but yeah, I, you know, I, I see the Fitbit on you right now. It is. <laughs> I, I must be one of the only guys that it hasn't had a reaction. I haven't had a reaction, so I haven't had to send back my force. Um, yeah. but I, but I look at this and then I look at what you're creating and I think, man, could you could you create it a little faster? Oh, look at that! Yeah. <laughs> oh my God! Well, I, I want to ask you, you know, from a fitness standpoint, uh, what's what's what are these devices lacking that we're wearing right now? These Fitbits, I'm using the Force, mm -hmm. but the Fitbit One, even Sony, and you name it, what are they lacking from a fitness standpoint? Yeah, so I mean, uh, from from the wearable perspective, we've certainly seen a lot of companies come through the the past couple of years. And I mean, we've, we've, to be honest, we've been really impressed with the type of solution they've done. And from a, sort of a, a general health and wellness perspective, they've uh, changed the wearable market significantly. Um, Atlas is really targeting towards a, a more fitness and more health conscious group. And, uh, from, and the, from, from the consumers that we've speak and spoken to, uh, we find a lot of people find that these $100, $150 pedometers are really limited in the type of data they can gather for the user. So this is where, where Atlas comes in and our algorithms and the technology itself uh, is, is far, far surpasses what's currently in the market and we're looking to fulfill the need and really add value for those who uh, take their health and fitness seriously. Well, what was it? So you, you, you've obviously seen opportunity in the marketplace where, where these companies were leaving something on the table. I, it, just, it just seems like from the very first wearable device, it's been an evolution, not a revolution. And what you are showing in the video is complete departure from these things. Um, but what was the inspiration? Just the lack of any real fitness tracker out there? Yeah, uh, that's pretty much it. It really is out of out of necessity we feel I mean previously I've been a part of a couple other health and health and fitness and nutritional startups uh, through within this industry is uh, one of the most common roadblocks to self-improvement and 
uh, and improving one's health and fitness is really a lot of the times convenience. And uh, we live in a very fast-paced life, in a very fast-paced community with cultures that are, are, are changing rapidly. And uh, I mean, a lot of the times, like ha taking the time to slow down and really begin to take note of what you're doing, um, it, it becomes a, a, a heavy chore and heavy burden for everybody. And the, the goal of Atlas is really to make the entire experience as seamless and automated as possible. So you can, you can forget about the chores, forget about writing things down, and really focus on what matters and what matters to you. So the, the thing that I really love about what you're doing here uh, with Atlas, if you can deliver on the product itself, is that, you know, I, I wear this thing religiously and it counts the steps religiously, but I still have a separate application that tracks everything that I do. Uh, I, I use Fitness Builder. So I have an app that tracks, you know, all the weights and the activity that I do in the gym and I go quite often. Uh, so what I, what I love about what you're doing with this is that it's that seamless integration. It really does give a snapshot about my total health, not just a habit change, which means it, it tracks the number of steps that I've taken. Uh, you know, but there's so much science behind this in order to be able to understand the difference between a push-up, a sit-up, a crunch, you know, or, you know, a front crunch, a back crunch, a triangle push-up. I mean, when you set out to do this, this is an ambitious piece of technology. Uh, did you did you have a, a preconceived notion of what it was that you were trying to build? Uh, yeah, so... I the uh, the the initial I guess impetus for this was uh, at uh, at Hawkins I had worked on a health and fitness platform. We tested a bunch of different things, extrinsic motivators like uh, Apple products, iPhones, iPods, iPod Nanos, that sort of thing. We tested uh, social responsibility where you would join as teams, uh, and then you basically your friends would peer pressure you into <laughs> going to the gym more. Uh, and then third being uh, the intrinsic. To understand what you're doing to your body from the start our, our entire goal was to uh, create a product that made tracking your entire workout automatic and seamless and effortless and you know I think that these things they they form habits right and I think that's the initial thing it's like if you can't if you find yourself not getting the activity that you need the first step is to get up and walk 10,000 feet that's what you know right. that's what these things do and maybe the second thing is that you're not getting enough fluid in your body so drink 10 cups of water and, and monitor those simple low-hanging fruit um, but the but the real question so that creates a little bit of a habit but for a, a gym junkie like me a meathead i go in there every day i've got a habit that's good but i need something that's a very effective way to track it uh, you know when you were looking at the problem was was that at the top of the mind here is that you're going to attack the the challenge of of you know the meathead challenge i would i would call it yeah uh yeah very much so i mean i used to be very involved in uh swimming athletics and Dry land and uh, strength conditioning was always an integral part of it, and uh, I mean from from the I mean I'm also a, a data junkie as well, and and certainly having missing out on pretty much all of the power that I'm creating in the gym is uh, something that I mean I would I would love to have a record of. Well, you've got a small team though. Still, are you still just four people in your team? Uh, no, actually, we've grown to six and a half now. Six and a half people. Six and a half. <laughs> so how can six and a half guys build a product that is greater than guys like Fitbit, guys like Nike, guys yeah. like, you know, how, how is that possible? I mean, Apple's working on something we know in the background somewhere. But six and a half guys, six and a half people yeah. on a team. How can, what gives you the right to build something so great? Ah, uh, yeah. It's, a, it's, cer it's certainly a monumental task ahead of us. 
Um, I think uh, from the from the team perspective, we have a, a very multidisciplinary team. Um, so of the six and a half, uh, all of, all but one are technical. We have a biomedical engineer, uh, myself. Uh, we have a mechanical engineer, uh, embeddable embeddable software designer, uh, uh, electrical engineer, and a data scientist, and an iOS developer. So. It's very much finding uh, leaders in all of these respective disciplines that are required to build this product, and uh, certainly a, a lot of a lot of sweat. Quite literally, yes. Yeah, <laughs> you, should, you should build one of these things for coders. You know, for engineers, yeah. software engineers is like see how many, how many calories they burn, how many lines have you, how many lines of code have you yeah, done today, and you can lines of code, yeah. <laughs> but but this is, you know, it's it's a small team for such a big task, and and mm -hmm. like the 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 outcome of this product could be something so revolutionary for, for the fitness industry. Um, you, you know, is there a point in time where you have to swell the team, do you think, in order to be able to accommodate what, you know, the demands of where, where you guys are going? Yeah, no, no, absolutely. I mean, we certainly are planning to grow the team more uh, as we get closer to launch and then additionally thereafter. Um, I mean, uh, so I guess one of, one of the major limitations as a startup, I mean, both not only from time and money perspective, uh, but also like pretty much what you can focus on and, and uh, ha having a small and nimble team means we can adapt very quickly and uh, change and uh, modify the, the product to really add value to our users. Um, but then at the same time, it also means we have to make sacrifices and we have to make choices that are truly the, the, the important parts that uh, everyone is really dying to have. Well, why haven't these guys like the Fitbits, these guys, why haven't they gotten into this space? Why haven't they, you know, gone deeper into their offerings? Because they're already on whatever, a combined, they're already on millions of wrists, these devices. Why, yeah. why so simple? Why are they just glorified pedometers, as you call them? Yeah, um, I, I mean, that's a, that's, a, that's a great question. I certainly would love to hear exactly why not. But uh, I mean, we have a couple of guesses uh, just from, from ranging from risk level, ranging from um, their their brand and their target and who they're really looking to cater to, um, and then where where and we really saw that the, this fitness niche, especially within strength training, is a, is a huge gap. I mean, you see a lot of technological solutions for cycling. You see a lot of technological solutions for golf, walking standard pedometer walking around. But there really is nothing for the strength training market, and uh, we're hoping to satisfy those needs. So what's been the biggest challenge, the biggest hurdle for you guys right now? Has it been hardware? Has it been software? Has it been the combination? Is the algorithm to determine what exercise you're using? Where, mm -hmm. What's been the challenge for you to date? Yeah, uh, I would say that. All uh, of it? Yeah, all, all of it. Yeah, <laughs> definitely all of it. <laughs> um, everything, uh, everything requires a, a good amount of attention, which is a very, very, very in intricate balancing act to make sure that we are covering all of our bases from hardware to software. Uh, from algorithms as well, but certainly um, we've had the I would say the most fun and also the most amount of work from the algorithms perspective, uh, making sure that the out of box solution is uh, something worth worth your while. Well, and, and is it uh, you know is it going to be a challenge for you guys to put all that computing power and all, all that computational power into a device that fits on your wrist? And are you worried about battery consumption at this point? Are you worried about uh, data drain? Are you worried about anything like that uh, for mm -hmm. for the user? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, uh, from a from a wearable device perspective, uh, power consumption and uh, battery life is uh, one of the most important factors that go into uh, how we're designing the experience. Um, and so from from the Atlas itself uh, has a touchscreen display as well as an OLED display. 
um, as well as an optical heart rate monitor on the back. It's crazy. And uh, so, so, I mean, we're really working towards something that you can actually interact with where uh, there's a lot of meaningful data and having that accessible at, at, at a moment's notice just by glancing at your wrist uh, is something we think that will, will really change how uh, everybody approaches health and fitness in the gym. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, from balancing when the screen turns on, balancing when the Bluetooth turns off, or when we're checking for heart rate uh, intermittently or, at, or, or all the whole time, um, there's, it's, a, it's a very, again, a very delicate balancing act done how frequently the screen is on for battery life so uh, i mean let me get this right you're putting this you're only wearing this device while you're in the gym while you're doing exerting where you're doing physical activity right so this is a mm -hmm. unique piece where you're not putting it on forgetting about it uh you know like the uh, misfit wearable which is a you know a long battery life three or four months battery life to the uh to the fitbit this isn't meant for every day all day all night cons uh, wearing is it Right. Yeah. You, know, you certainly can wear it all day, all night. Uh, and that's something actually we would recommend for uh, the first week or two of having the Atlas. Uh, it's really, really to sort of set your baseline. Uh, if you haven't owned a Fitbit, if you haven't owned a job, really to get your basal metabolic rate. And then once you know that, that really doesn't change much depending on what your routine is from the day to day. Uh, but uh, where Atlas really shines again is exactly in the gym, when you're sweating, when you're making your heart pump. You know, I, 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 I think it's amazing. I interviewed... Um a company called Mother, um, actually a company called Sense, and they do this thing called Mother, which is basically they take, uh, you know, little beacons and, and they put it on a device to change behavior. So maybe you, you want to learn how to, you know, take 10,000 steps and what that feels like. So what ends up happening with it is that you, you put it on for two weeks and then you understand you've created that behavior and then you move that, that little beacon onto another device and you move on. Um, cool. And so I think that what, what it's very interesting to, that the way that you describe this is that you say, listen, you know, you know, get the base first for two weeks and then you only need to wear it in the gym or you only need it to when you're wear it when you're exerting uh, when you're doing physical activity because you understand your your everything at, at, uh, at its at its base. You've got your readings. Now you can move on and actually use this in the gym uh, effectively. I like that mm -hmm. approach. Um, so, you know, is this does this change behavior? Uh, we cer certainly hope so. I mean, it's we're certainly early in the product development stages, but uh, we've been working very closely with a lot of our personal trainers and fitness gurus here in Austin, really looking to build and customize the user experience from the ground up on how the how, how these how people currently approach the gym, and really looking to add on to that without adding extra chores and work to do. What work did you do? Did you go into the gym? Did you study people? Did you figure out how they worked out, what they did, and, mm -hmm. and apply that to what you're building? Yep, yeah, and all the way down to uh, a lot of these personal trainers and fitness gurus have volunteered to help us collect data to build our database. So also finding uh, the, the particular types of form that different athletes have. Uh, it's interestingly, you can see that uh, if you're if you have a uh, if you have a gymnastics background or if you had a uh, a football or a soccer background. Your form for different exercises have a, have a certain noticeable characteristic that is sort of like an like a, uh, a, a artifact from your previous life. And uh, it's, it's been very interesting to find these little nuggets of, of uh, information uh, from this. And these are, these are documented differences? You know, so one might have a little bit more grace than the other type of thing? Is that yeah. what you're talking about? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I, I, I think about that quite a bit is that, uh, you know, especially this feature that, that I saw in the video, which was basically it, 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 uh, it tells you when you're off form, 
right? Yep. So exactly. I, I I sit at the gym and I look around and I'm like, God, like these people are are you know most of the people who lift weights um not seriously but the guys that are in there you know the weekend warriors are in there and they're like their bodies are rocking up and down yeah. as they're trying to do arm <laughs> curls and i'm like you dude that is not right are they working out <laughs> exactly it's a full body workout just with you know with uh with dumbbells and i think that you know the guys that are locking their knees and the leg press or whatever you know i you, you want to go up and say to them that listen what you're doing is not going to benefit you in it's any way you. right yeah. <laughs> it's a cardio workout go on jump on a you know a treadmill um but then i think sometimes i cheat right i'm like i'm so tired and i don't you know i don't yeah. i don't want this thing to like so i do it like a half curl <laughs> yeah but i like the fact that you, the device actually understands what is a full rep versus what is a cheat rep and i think that that's very important especially when you're when you're only in the gym for an hour a day whatever it might be you want to make sure that right. it benefits so exactly yeah so uh, you you study this, you you get all of this data, and then how do you how do you look at this? This is a really important question. Is that you're looking at what you want to create in one hand? You've got all this data and all this input from personal trainers and research, and you know you know what you want to do. You know what the data looks like. How do you combine that into an interface that helps and that makes sense to people? Yeah, uh, I mean my, my my background is very much uh, uh, academic and experimental, so. I'm a big fan of testing and running trials and running experiments. And I think it's really a sort of a, an educated guess trial and error process here. And we try to we try to do our best on what we think is is going to make a difference and build it and then uh, see see what the community says. and but then rethink and rework and adapt and as we move forward. and hopefully ideally coming out of this with a with a beautiful masterpiece. What was the first thing you guys implemented? A pedometer? Uh, first thing, I oh, know we, we skipped the pedometer. Okay. The, first, <laughs> the, the first thing was, uh, it was, it was, it's crazy. It's, it was wired. There's like a 26 foot USB cable running like from my wrist up my arm and then to a computer laptop, like on the bench next to me. And, uh, the first, uh, sort of the algorithm proof of concept, I guess when we found out that we could tell the difference between, uh, pushups and triangle pushups. That was sort of the the first breakthrough moment where we were like, "Damn, this thing is uh, can can do a lot." How, I mean, the difference is six inches, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's it. Like, yeah. I, uh, so, uh, I mean, how long did it take you guys to come up with the algorithm to be able to do that? Just as an mm -hmm. example. So, uh, about a year ish, yeah. <laughs> working. Uh, yeah, here and there, certainly a lot of frustration frustration along the way, but it's been uh, paying off ever since. Was that the was that the litmus test for you guys? Is that if we can distinguish between these two very similar, yet drastically different exercises on the fly, that will be the test for us to be able to go and do this full time. Yeah. So I mean, I guess I mean we first started out with like just like you know bicep curls versus squats. Yeah. Um, but then uh, as we were refining the algorithms and. Uh, we really got uh, addicted to testing the limits of it. And, uh, I mean, the algorithms themselves work for all types of 3D motion. And uh, But, I mean, strength training is certainly where we're going to start and uh, focus on s solving this before uh, moving on to the uh, additional features. Why why do it so so broadly? You know, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of companies that say, listen, we're going we're gonna to do these exercises or these eight things so well. And if you want to do the ninth, you can't yet. We'll add yeah. it later. So why why not be prescriptive in the exercises that you can do? So these are the mm -hmm. you know the twenty exercises that it actually understands, and mm -hmm. then leave the rest of them. So it understands a push up, not right. a triangle push up. But did right. you ever consider that being very prescriptive about what it does? 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, we're going to be launching with about 50 of the most popular exercises okay. curated by our Indiegogo backers. So, I mean, just from the time perspective, we're not going to be able to record every exercise under the sun. I mean, I w as much as we wish we could, and there's certain limitations and the, the we just in our new office we're actually going to have a, a gym in the back so we're going to be able to do a lot of uh hands-on testing just literally right next door so um you guys, I mean, are, gonna yeah. the, you guys are gonna have the fittest team on the planet aren't you yeah <laughs> yeah health healthy company but you gotta you gotta worry just that you know that one guy doesn't do all the left-handed curls right yeah right. because then <laughs> it's just a little imbalance in his physique or yeah her physique, right? <laughs> Well, so you are going to go out with 50 exercises, and these are going to be exercises that have been curated from your Indiegogo uh, initiative, right? Mm -hmm, yep. So these are, these are kind of like the top 50 exercises, and you'll be able to distinguish between those. And then the goal is to start to roll out the algorithms and, and, and do software updates to incorporate them? Yep, exactly. Yeah, to include more exercises, additional sports. Uh, so swimming is something uh, that has been popular. Uh, yoga as well, measuring the stability in your heart rate through your workout routine. I mean, uh, there's certainly a lot of exciting things on the roadmap to come. So how do you how do you partition partition this? How do you decide what gets in, what doesn't get in, what will be in a further release? Uh, mm -hmm. You know, um, and, and then and then not only that, how did you decide that? Look, we, we needed a touch screen, we need a heart rate, we need all of these things to be in this in the first product. Mm -hmm. um, so a, a lot of thorough brainstorming, I'd say. Um, we have uh, like these war room sessions where. Uh, we're all in one room and we pretty much just lay everything out. It's really sort of about, it's like less about ego and more about finding the truth of the situation and, and what type of use cases is valuable. And I mean, from the, 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 the screen component was something that uh, we, I mean, we picked up a little bit from, uh, from Nike's um, industrial yeah. design where we're having the fuel points on the device, seeing the progress whenever you want on your wrist was something that was very empowering. Uh, which was something that the Jawbone and the Fitbit both originally uh, lacked, and then now, I mean, they've begun to incorporate this to be able to see, you know, and, and even this basic time functionality, just the features like that. Um, and uh, and then, I mean, certainly the touchscreen technology itself is is very appealing, um, just from the input into the device where distract uh, anybody. Um, but we also want our users to have the opportunity to interact and. Have a have a relationship with this device that is essentially like helping them monitor their their health. Yeah, I mean it's very 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 important. And to that effect, you 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 you're launching with an API, right? So for integration in other devices or other software tools, and mm -hmm. and and you are actually working with other vendors, other you know mobile application vendors to be able to bring your data into their applications, their data into your applications, so that this becomes an ecosystem. Is that the goal? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly, and very much so. Um, we'll we'll be. We're shifting our focus actually a little bit from the API side and moving towards an, an SDK package. Yeah. yeah, just to enable developers to have a, a more access. I mean, we're still hashing out and designing the architecture for that. Um, so there will be a more, more relevant updates uh, around that to come. Do you want to see other companies build hardware around your software, around your platform? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, yeah, that's certainly something that's uh, of, of interest to us. I mean, from the algorithm perspective, we're going to be looking to bundle that where you can begin to start feeding it different types of activities, different types of motions, different types of exercises to be able to build uh, the community's database to be even larger and more encompassing. And then are you looking at like third party marketplaces then at that point to say, listen, hey, I've uploaded my three quarter squat um, and, and here's that exercise. You can download it to, to your uh, 
to your Atlas device? Yeah, so, so that's something uh, personal trainers have actually expressed a lot of interest in, in, uh, in helping them run their, uh, their health business to be able to give them a, a platform to be able to promote, their, uh, promote a validated routine where you can actually see the results that people have had in the past. And to have that type of, of like pre-vetting process through them has been uh, something. Can you finish that last sentence? I just lost it. Yeah, uh, so that type of uh, platform for personal trainers to uh, promote and, and, and reach out to their consumers have been a lot, something that personal trainers have been looking forward to. You know, one of the very, very first interviews that I ever did for Untether.tv many, many years ago was a company called Pump One. They have this great piece of software called Fitness Builder. And uh, they would be an ideal candidate for something like this because they have an entire, uh, you know, a personal trainer application that sits on a device managed by the web. I'm going to put you in touch with those guys. I think that there would be a lot of interest. Yeah. So uh, I, I got to ask, uh, I mean, with all of this hoopla that's coming around with Apple and, uh, and what I guess has been categorized as a medical device that, w that, some, that you wear somewhere that does something that connects to somewhere, um, what, what, is, what does that do for you guys? Does that inspire you to think like we are on the right track? Um, are you concerned by any uh, at this? Uh, are they making overtures of acquisition at this point? Uh, you know, how does, how does Apple getting into this space uh, make you yeah. feel? Uh, I think it's certainly something that we're excited about, and and from the from the for the wearable technology market at this point, it's a very young industry, yeah. and it, we really view it as sort of like a rising tide lifts all boats. Uh, we have that sort of mentality, and I mean the the more companies that get into this, uh, I mean for us, it's, it's the better. The more people are aware of it, and uh, it really sort of for us, it boils down to um, who these people are and what they find value in. And it's, I mean, it's our goal to create a product that people find value in, and uh, to to be one on on everyone's mind. How much? How much? Do, how much can this cost? Like I go through this in my mind, right? You spend 150 bucks on a fitness a Fitbit Force, and most of these devices are in that 150 to 300 dollar range. Maybe Apple will be in that range as well with whatever device they come out with. Um, mm -hmm. how, how do you quantify your pricing? How do you determine what your pricing is going to be for this product? Because mm -hmm. it just seems so far in advance. But you've got to also think that ah, I'm not going to spend $6.99 on this device, I right. Might, right? So, yeah. and maybe I will. I, I get that excited about it. If you asked me today, <laughs> I'd say, yeah. Um, how, how do you determine the pricing? And then, and then uh, you know, how does that play into the features that go into it? So that's a good question. I mean, a, a lot of it, I guess we sort of come at it at a cup, from a couple different angles. And we certainly have to make sure that it's, it's not like a ridiculously priced uh, product and sort of from there we have to start to begin to prioritize what uh, sensors, what features are, are truly valuable and it's really from the the cost to develop perspective on um, how much more we have to spend for a display, how much more do we have to spend for these the algorithms to be developed and um, really trying to balance it so that it's it's a, it's a it's a fair price for the users for the value that they'll be getting from a, from a wearable device. So do you kind of build like the perfect device? Like you say, okay, this is our optimum device, right? This is yeah. it. It's like it's the formidable device. It's like the greatest <laughs> device you've ever created. It's got the yeah. brightest, best screen, biggest battery you can. It's like nine pounds. It sits on your wrist. Yeah. It's this big, and then yeah. you say, okay, that is $1,200 worth of components. And then you're like, well, yeah. that's not going to do it. So you start yeah. ripping stuff out. Is that how you do it? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, 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 one, that's one of the approaches, yeah. Uh, <laughs> figuring out everything that we could possibly dream of in a, in a perfect wearable device. 
but then at the same time, there's certainly things where um, from the use case that we're going for, there are certain things that can be foregone and still the, the product itself is, is actually even better where the, the simplicity of, of what it's meant to do and how it's meant to be uh, integrated into your life and how seamless it, seamless it can be a part of your routine, a part of your lifestyle, I think um, is, is, there's, a, there's another balancing component there. I, I love it. And especially because it's in a niche, right? There are people mm -hmm. that are, I mean, when you're dedicated to fitness, you do. You, I mean, you spend 40, 50, $60 on an Under Armour t-shirt, right? Mm -hmm. Like yeah. th there's a unique uh, mentality, just like bike mm -hmm. riders, professional bike riders or semi-pro or even hobbyists that, that spend three, four, five thousand $5,000 on a bike, right? So you're in a niche where there's a lot of money to be spent. And people spend a lot of money on fitness activity devices and, and everything like that. So you have that ability, or do you think you have that ability to charge a little bit more as a result of that niche that you're in? Um, I think uh, that's a good question. Yeah, uh, I mean, certainly there are a lot of, I'd say there's a wide range where you do get a larger range in pricing. Um, but then I think a lot of the same times for a lot of performance athletes, uh, the a lot of higher quality products do have uh, give you a slight edge, yeah. and uh, I mean certainly in 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 the athletics industry, every every millisecond, every hundredth of a second really counts uh, for a lot. And uh, I mean, certainly, hopefully, we're helping everyone become better better at what they're doing. All right. Well, I am I'm, I'm very excited about seeing this product in in, in order. How how. How far away are you from shipping this? This is a fall, kind of early winter time frame, isn't it? Uh, yeah, December of 2014. And, and how, it's hard to answer this question because we're just entering in spring right now. It's April when we're recording this of 2014. Um, and, you know, we might look back at this in January or February of 2015 and, and think, what were, we, what were we thinking? But, I mean, how likely is it that you guys are going to hit that number. I mean, when you when you're six months out and all of this stuff to do, it's you got to have that confidence to be able to, to hit that number, to hit that. Yeah, date. no, absolutely. I mean, so from from my perspective, this is my first time uh, bringing a full product from prototype to uh, to shelf, yeah. and um, it's really through the help of a lot of our advisors and the network that we've we've been building that we have the confidence that we will be able to make this. I mean. Uh, we're working with Dragon Innovations. They've helped other companies like MakerBot, Sphero, Pebble bring their products to market. Uh, my co-founder is currently in Shenzhen, China right now, talking to contract manufacturers and negotiating uh, the terms for the product development. So uh, things are certainly moving along quite well. You guys have never done this before? Uh, so not a full product from prototype to uh, to shelf, no. Uh, but I would... A lot of our team has uh, experience with this, our mechanical engineer, uh, the industrial designers, uh, the iOS developer, all of which have had these types of accomplishments in their past. Yeah. Yeah. So back to the I'm price. Just, I'm just a data guy. Well, that's uh, data is important, man. Like when you create those algorithms, uh, th those are the important things, right? As you said, it took a year between a push up and a triangle push up. Once you get that distinction, um, you're onto something quite substantial. Yeah. Um, so price point, I um, just want to finish it off, like kind of $100 to $300, three to $500 in that range? Yeah, yeah, okay. we're looking at around 199 Okay, that's acceptable, man. That is very acceptable. <laughs> that is very acceptable with a rechargeable knapsack, right? Uh, so you, yeah. you can put a battery in the knapsack? Um, yeah, so actually, we're, we're, we've got a, a micro USB port. Uh, so we're going to be one of the first products that has a micro USB, USB port, the universal micro USB port, while still being 
uh, water resistant, 50 to 100 meters. So you get the convenience of the same charger you have for everything in your house and not having to worry about showers, laundry, etc. Amazing. Well, I'm getting I'm getting even more excited about this. So obviously, <laughs> a lot of people got excited about what you were doing. How how did you end up in partnership with TechCrunch? And and I mean, talk about that experience because you did you you went like six times over what you were trying to raise uh, uh, or collect on Indiegogo. Um, talk about that experience from uh, from raising that kind of uh, or collecting that kind of money in pre-orders. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we are we're relatively close with Chris uh, Velasco at uh, TechCrunch in. Uh, we had been uh, communicating with him. And, How did that happen? Uh, just through through the internet. That's it. You <laughs> yeah. just said I, I got this product and I'm interested in this, and it was like a cold email or a cold call. Um, I I don't remember exactly how it went down, but it was very casual. Yeah, and uh, sort of the relationship developed from there, and we uh, got into the TechCrunch hardware battlefield, and uh, yeah, I mean the rest is history, I guess. And then you did that before you went on to Indiegogo. Uh, so we actually uh, launched Indiegogo at the same time as the TechCrunch uh, TechCrunch event. And was that was that done uh, on purpose? Yes, yeah, that was done on purpose. Yeah, uh, we were actually going to launch on Kickstarter, uh, but then uh, we couldn't. We didn't have enough time to go through the whole Kickstarter process. It takes like a month to a month and a half. Uh, we only budgeted it in uh, two and a half weeks, uh, and it was really sort of a last-minute switch that we went over to Indiegogo, but. Uh, the team at Indiegogo has been incredibly supportive, and and uh, they answer and respond to our texts on weekends when uh, when PayPal was misbehaving. So I mean, we've uh, had a great experience with Indiegogo. So uh, do you think that you left money on the table by going with Indiegogo versus versus Kickstarter? Um, it's hard hard to say. I guess it's sort of a, in another parallel universe that someone else may know. <laughs> well. I mean, I've heard great things about both, right? Uh, you know, yeah. uh, but Kickstarter has these multi-million, like the Pebble was a Kickstarter uh, right. a project. Yeah. And they, what did they raise? $12 million they, they, they collected, right? 10, 10 million, 10, 10 point. Million. Yeah. yeah. And 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 uh, they still have their challenges, but uh, uh, but all in all, a great experience uh, from from an Indiegogo perspective. Indiegogo yep. perspective, raising that. Uh, were That's you shocked good. that that you went this far over, or were you dogging it when you decided a hundred on a hundred twenty-five k? Uh, so the, the 100, 125 is really sort of the bare minimum we needed to be able to manufacture the prototype. Seriously, though? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that with that, though, we would have been like building it out of our uh, garage uh, with that. But I mean, with this extra extra funding and all this extra support from our backers, it really unlocks a lot of opportunities for us to develop develop a, a much, much higher quality product. Could you have actually put out something for 125k? Like, say 125k, and everybody came in, and, and maybe you got what's that? Like a thousand people that yeah. said, "Hey, listen, we're, we're going to support you." Now, there's no guarantee they're going to get a product, right? But, um, but you know, could you have done anything really with 125k in hindsight? It, yeah, it just would have been a much more uh, sort of tooth and nail, or a much more bootstrapped experience. <laughs> Yeah, and it would have come like it, you wouldn't have been able to. Uh, it, the device would have had to have been plugged in the whole time or something. Like yeah. I just, I, I, you know, like in hindsight, like when you look at the risk that that I, I mean, these uh, crowdsourcing or crowdfunding companies or uh, initiatives, there's always a risk that that person is never going to get the product, right? That the, the, this is not prepaying. This is actually right. you know hoping, yeah. right? Hoping, yeah. Um, but do you ever get that? Like, uh, there's a lot of risk in 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 putting out a, a dollar amount and then uh, false promises, and we see that a lot of times on on some of these uh, initiatives that there's just no way that they can do it. And in hindsight, they look back and think like, "This, 
we could never have manufactured this product for that much money. And, and, and oftentimes you, you find the winners by, you know, when, when you go six times over what, you, what, what the ask was. Right. If I asked you honestly, what, what do you think that the, what, what were you expecting um, from your Indiegogo campaign? Um, we were expecting, uh, around, around, around this much. Yeah. Yeah. We were, yeah, we were, we, we were, we did a lot of homework and a lot of community outreach before. And I mean, certainly a lot of it is really preparation and, uh, making sure that, uh, you're doing everything you can do to get the, the, the best type of success you can get for yourself. And uh, a lot of planning and a lot of homework had uh, gone into it. So marketing standpoint, was this all you guys, all the timing, all the reach out, um, you know, how did you did you line this up um, yourself? Did you go out to a, an outside consultant to help you bring all of this together? Uh, so no, we did it all uh, all in house. Yeah, from the market, we, we got to save our money, right? <laughs> yes, yes, you do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, as we grow, I mean, we're certainly looking to uh, bring on additional help and expertise and all the different disciplines there. I mean, it's it's been it's been it's been incredible getting to meet so many talented and intelligent people. Where does this go? Peter, like, what does this industry look like as it emerges? I know we're still very young right now in, in this space, and I think a lot of companies are still trying to figure out what's next and, and uh, or where to start. Right. And, you, you know, maybe it, it's something like you know, Google Google went out with uh, you know, eighteen months ago with a glass and said, okay, this we don't know if this is it, but mm -hmm. we're going to try this and whatever Apple releases and all of these different companies coming out. And what do you think? What do you think that the future holds for the for the wearable space? Is it niche like yours? Mm -hmm. Is it broad like Fitbit, or is it? Uh, I mean, is it a computing capabilities like Google Glass? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I believe I believe this industry will will have, follow a lot along niche solutions first because it's really with those consumers will you get a pain point so significant enough to compel people sure. to to try something new. And um, I guess just I guess an overall guess on where things will go. I think is very much connecting people to potentially other people who like the same thing, uh, but also really uh, for us, our focus is in connecting people to themselves and helping people understand what they're doing. I mean, there was a there was a good article. I forget where, but. As someone was saying, like you wouldn't drive a car without a speedometer or a fuel gauge. Um, it's just, uh, we, I mean, we believe the type of data that will be enabling people to collect pretty much effortlessly um, will will be a big defining factor on how people view their health, view their fitness, uh, view their medical wellness as well. Do you license at some point? Do you do you look at the data that you're collecting and think? We've got a gold mine here of data, anonymized data. Um, mm -hmm. But but all of this data combined can can isolate trends, can isolate disease, can isolate mm -hmm. you know uh, proper procedures, can isolate uh, you know because of what you're talking about with the heat map and the way that what body, what muscle is actually being uh, being used. Um, you know, you can actually assess whether what the strain is going to be on a shoulder joint or a knee joint. Like eventually, do you, do you look at that data and think, God? That is our real business. Get the device yeah. on as many hands, and that d data becomes mm -hmm. the thing that we license. Yeah, no, absolutely. I and mean, from the data perspective, there's certainly a lot of valuable knowledge of, of like humanity that will will now become available. And uh, I mean, certainly, it's it's definitely a balancing act be between uh, making sure the company stays afloat, uh, but then at the <laughs> same time, 
contributing to these sort of uh, more longer shot uh, like uh, value adds to to medicine and and certainly I have, uh, through through my education at Hopkins I have a lot of connections with a lot of great research labs there that are doing a lot of very uh, innovative things in terms of uh, from from diabetes to Parkinson's to Alzheimer's but um, having a potential device like Atlas that could help monitor your health and wellness is something that's um, could could help change could change that landscape entirely. You know, there have been those moments when you're when you're exercising, you're working out, and and you feel the twinge of something that went wrong, went terribly yeah. wrong, right? Too much weight, yeah. whatever it is, and uh, you know, it would be great to be able to isolate at that moment where it went wrong. But uh, right. you know, uh, it happens every once in a while, especially when you get older. Um, so uh, pre-orders, you're, you're doing pre-orders. Is that helping to fund this thing? How else are you uh, funding this other than Indiegogo and pre-orders? Um, so um, not sure if I'm legally allowed to talk about it on okay, here. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. But, but, you're do yeah, but you're doing pre-orders, right? And, and Right, we're uh, doing pre-orders on atlaswearables.com. Yeah. Okay, and, and, uh, and so uh, my, my assumption is that at some point you're going to have to go out and, and, and find some, like a big pool of money. And right. Dig it up exactly. somewhere in your backyard. The, the, you yeah. Know, <laughs> That's uh, all like old bricks somewhere back exactly, home. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, you live in Austin, man. The, yeah. you know, the sidewalks are paved with gold in Austin. <laughs> um, uh, all right. So uh, I got one last question here and then I'm going to let you go. Uh, this is this right. has been fascinating. I can't wait for this product. Um, it's my pleasure. What, what, about, uh, what about Nike? Um, so a, a lot of brouhaha around Nike, um, you know, letting go a, a good portion of their uh, wearable um, team. Um, is this, is this, this is not them giving up because it can't be. What right. do you think that this is and what do you think that this means to the industry? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's a lot of speculation on why they had dropped this. Um, there's been a lot of focus on um, uh, sort of their their penetration into the market, um, as well as their relationship, ongoing relationship with Apple. Mm -hmm. um, and, I, and I certainly foresee them not really not they're not they're not quitting this uh, this endeavor of theirs, but maybe re-strategizing on who they should work with and what they want to focus in. You know, let me run something by you. Is this, you know, we I alluded to it at the very beginning where I think that for most of these devices, right, I've got this and I've, I've used the Misfit uh, Shine or I, I love this device. Sort of, yeah. yeah. And I, I love this device and, and you know, um, they do they do relatively the same things in, in different ways, but it just seems like there's this evolution, right? As I said, it's just kind of like, okay, so now you've got the band. Okay, now you've got the steps, you've got the sleep, you've got an alarm, and then now we're going to put a screen on it. Then at some point, it's going to be connected to my smartphone. It's going to send me text messages on my on my. So there's this natural progression that has happened. Yeah, evolution and I think, of the device. Yeah, and I think that Sony looked at this and said, uh, well, in order for us to, to be different because they were one of the first out with a device, they have to retrench and stop that, that chain, that path that they're going on and completely rethink like you guys have done to completely rethink what the device is going to be used for. If it's going to be a watch at all, if it's going to be a wristband or whatever it might be. But right. do you think that, it, that there's some merit in this to think like, you know what, th th this is a, this is a dead game right now. We've got to start thinking about the way that you guys are thinking about that, the way that Apple thinking about this is that it's not just a pedometer, as you said, a glorified pedometer. It is, it's got to be something different. And those guys that got us here aren't going to be the guys that get us to the next stage. Is that possible here? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, certainly. I mean, do you mean like the evolution moving from company to company, or oh, just like the, the the people that they had who were building the device mm-hmm. and got them to this point where it's on the shelves in the Apple Store and everybody's you know mm-hmm. they like it, the fuel band they like it, but those those same people aren't going to be the ones that are that can drastically change their thinking around the product and bring us to a brand new level away from all of the competition that's what i mean so yeah they they, they end up being casualties unfortunately right but but they're looking for guys like you like data scientists who can who can do the algorithms who can change the way that we use these devices and affect change in our lifestyle and maybe those guys um, weren't them yeah that's Certainly possible. I mean, I certainly think a lot of people who have sort are sort of veterans, or maybe not veterans who are flexible in their way of thinking. I would I would say are probably uh, the the best candidates for something like this, where they know enough and have enough experience where they see the limitations and see uh, limitations of hardware technologies and understand sort of the the consumer value value thought process. Where I think people who have a, like a exposure is certainly I think have a lot of very valuable insights. Yeah, I wonder. Like I think what you guys are doing is really fascinating. You you take a problem and you're going to apply a um, you know you take a little bit of all of your backgrounds and you apply a technology to solve that problem or to isolate mm-hmm. that problem to find out you know to identify that problem and and display it in a way. And, and I think you guys went in there without without really understanding. You you have a you have an understanding of sort of the underlying principles, but you're building hardware that hasn't been built before. You you're building all of the components into that hardware that have never been combined before. You're doing this in 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 complete, uh, like in this optimistic bubble, which is amazing because you're not jaded by what can and can't be done. You're like right. we're gonna do it, as you said. We we're we're, we're doing it. And, yeah. and, you know, it may take some time, but you're doing that. And I think that that's the way that that's the way that revolutions are one is that people think differently and they're yeah. not constrained by the things that they know or the things that they don't know. And they're not constrained by people saying, no, you can't do it. Right. Yeah. I think it's fascinating. Like you guys are an experiment here that it's amazing. And I can't wait to see the product that you push out. Yeah, it's been a, it's an incredible learning process here. And uh, yeah. Okay, so um, I, I just got a just a, a few quick questions. What what has inspired you in the last little while? Like, uh, do you, is there books? Are there websites you go to? Are there software tools that you use? Uh, you know, I'm very interested in understanding your makeup beyond the fact that you are building this company at, at atlaswearables.com. But I'm yeah. very interested. Like, is there a book inspires you? Do you use software in the in in your business that that drives you? What apps do you use? What what is it that mm-hmm. that makes you a little bit different what, from everybody what else? Makes this tick, I guess. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, Lifehacker has always been a really interesting blog. I mean, just that's probably the blog I've read for the longest portion of my life. And, um, it's sort of, I guess like the, a lot of the thought processes here, like okay. little optimizations and little changes that you can make to your life really go a long way, uh, in terms of, uh, like how you approach different routines within your life. I love that. Um, you, you, yeah, I can understand. I can see that right now. A Lifehacker yeah. reader is right here because you, you, you're doing this. What about a company? Is there a company that out that out there that just inspires you? A company out there that inspires. There are so there are many companies. I know. You know, I'm putting you on the spot, Peter. I understand that. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, is there uh, anything that comes to mind? Um, a company that really stands out. Um, certainly, I think. Um, I guess from a from a leadership perspective and and from thought leadership perspective. Um, uh, Elon Musk has been doing a lot of very cool things. That's sort of like a, a trite, like a overused one. Um, but uh, I certainly think like there was a one 
article about him where he was an interview with him and they were talking about how he found himself on a Wednesday in Russia trying to pick out a rocket launcher that would fit best for his uh, his uh, his new his new space missions, and um, I mean just sort of like uh, for for me I, I love I love solving problems and and my team as well and very much so like the more interesting the problem and change and the the more value that it can add I think it's it's. It's all been incredibly rewarding for us. Yeah, space travel does that, right? Where you you pick yeah, up booster rockets, yeah, to <laughs> to basically you know supply uh, you know send supplies up to the International Space Station. Yeah, <laughs> landing on the space station. Yeah, that sort of stuff. <laughs> a reusable rocket, right, or a reusable yeah. capsule. Uh, last thing, apps. Is there an app that you use consistently that uh, that is on your device? Uh, an app that I use consistently. Uh, we use uh, Voxer a lot internally here. Yeah. Um, yeah, Voxer. I use Mailbox app a lot for uh, my mail inbox zero. Yes. And um, but yeah, no, Voxer has been great. Uh, it's faster voice chat. Yeah. All right, well, this is good. I, I appreciate that. I just like to understand a little bit of uh, behind the scenes about what what drives you as well. And and I figure if I I always say that if I do that uh, ahead of time and ask you those questions, they're too constrained. Those those answers are too contrived, right? So yeah. I, I, like, I like doing it at the That's top. That's good. Yeah, no, definitely no, no. Yeah, put me on the spot. I like it. <laughs> it's, you know, yeah, you know, the rest of this has been easy, man. It's talking about what you're passionate uh, yeah. about. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right, so where should we should be sending people to atlaswearables.com if you want to yep. pre-order the product, uh, you can yep. do it there. Put your money down where your money is is going to go to some good. Um, yeah. This is different though. This is pre-order, so this is this is kind of like a signed kind of a guarantee that I'm going to get a product, right? Yep, exactly. Yeah. And what happens if I don't? Uh, you, you will. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good answer, Ryan. Well, yeah. <laughs> so atlaswearables.com. I'm going to put up a whole bunch of links on untether.tv uh, for some of the videos that Peter has done, including the one, the demonstration. You can get it at uh, atlaswearables.com. You can see his uh, tech crunch uh, roasting your six minutes, which gives a great demonstration about how this product works as well. Uh, I am an, an enthusiastic meathead. I'm very proud of going to the gym and being a, uh, in, in, uh, in decent shape for my age or any age in that. And I can't wait to take wrap my this around my wrist and, and take it for a test drive sometime in the winter. Coming soon. Yeah. Peter, I really, really, really appreciate your time. Thank you for being so open. Thanks for being so honest. And, uh, and, and good luck with this. Please get this product out the door. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Rob. Thank you for having me. I'm going to have you back on once you've launched the product. And we'll, we'll talk about some more lessons that you've learned, if that's okay. Yeah, we'll do. Yeah, I'll to let you know all the other mistakes that, uh, <laughs> that come along. Right? That you can uh -huh. legally talk about. Yes. Yeah, right. <laughs> We have uh, been speaking with Peter Lee. He's the co-founder of a company called Atlas Wearables there in Austin, Texas. Uh, he's also the CEO of that company. Go to atlaswearables.com if you'd like to pre-order the product. It will be out in the winter. That's December 2014. We will have him back on here in January of 2015. I'll start working on that right now. I want to say thank you, Peter, for doing this. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks for having me on Untether. Hey, folks out there, wherever you are, whatever you are doing, my oh, my hope is always that you're in the gym listening to this, getting inspired by something like this. Uh, you know, as you're as you're uh, as you're looking at these weights and lifting them. But if you're out there, if you're gardening, if you're driving, I don't care what it is that you are listening to this. I just appreciate the fact that you do listen to this. Uh, I would love it if you send me some feedback, Rob at Untether.tv. But we will see you next time on Untether.tv. Thanks, Peter. All right, thank you.